Uh, before we get going too far this morning, just want to let you know that we have a, a fresh shipment of uh, Bibles that are in. So out at the information booth, if you'd like to pick one of these up, they're free. And we would love for you to have one of these. And uh, we also have some French Bibles out there. So if you would like to pick up one of those uh, right after the service, be sure to do that. Um, didn't the band do a great job in leading us in worship this morning? Wow. I am... So thankful for that bunch and all that they're, they're doing. They're out back eating donuts right now, but, but they, they do have a TV, and the sermon is on backstage. They're, they're paying attention, but uh, we love and appreciate those guys. We're in week four of a series called, wow, that was really weak. Wow. You're terrifying. You are. Yeah, we're in week four of a series called Roar. A series on the first six chapters of the book of Daniel. And ROAR is an acronym for resisting temptation and overcoming obstacles and refusing to bow to the kings and the idols of our time. Um, the artwork for this series, this was drawn by our very own Mark Can here in our church. Mark Can did that. Very cool. Uh, we have one more week of this series next week, and then we're going to ramp up into Easter with a series called The Invitation, and we're really excited about that series and about uh, all that's going to be happening for Easter. We'll tell you more about that in uh, the next couple of weeks, uh, but we're really excited about that. March and April, the next couple of months, are going to be an intense uh, spiritual season for us as a church, and one of the things that we're going to be doing as uh, we move towards Easter, is we're going to be doing, those of us who want to participate, are going to do a 21-day Daniel fast. All right? About three of you are excited about this. I can tell. <laughs> the rest of you just put your seatbelts on. You're like, oh, no, really? So for those of you who want to participate, and I'll, I'll explain more about the Daniel fast uh, next week, but, you know, here's just a few things that you need to know for now. It starts, the fast is going to start one week from tomorrow, February the 29th, uh, Monday the 29th, and it ends on Sunday, March the 20th, and you can go to the daniel-fast.com website this week and do all your homework and uh, learn all you need to learn about the Daniel Fast. Uh, we recommend that you check with your, your, your physician, your doctor, before you make any major changes in your diet. Um, the Daniel fast and the Daniel plan are not exactly the same thing, so, so just be aware of that. Uh, there are some differences. And the Daniel fast is a, it's a partial fast, denying yourself, like Daniel, from eating like a king. And uh, choosing for 21 days only fruits and vegetables and water. Uh, typically the fast is either 10 days or 21 days. We're going to try to do a 21, not try, we're going to do a 21, and, uh, but you can do as many days as you want or as many days as you can. We're not going to police it, you know, if somebody's uh, having a coffee, we're not going to beat you over the head with a stick or anything like that, um, and uh, we're not going to be legalistic about it, so I'll explain more about it next week. This is just to, just to get you thinking about it, okay? Are you all right? It's not mandatory. You don't have to do it, okay? It's, for those who want to do it, I'm going off coffee for 21 days. You can visit me at the Moncton Hospital. Send flowers, send cards, 
don't send Starbucks cards, whatever you do. That will not be helpful. I typically drink three to four cups a day on average, uh, except for Sundays where I drink three or four cups before church. <laughs> it's your fault, I'm <laughs> just saying. And uh, uh, so, you know, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do that. Um, and we're going to use this time together as a church as a spiritual deep dive. That's the purpose of the Daniel fast, okay? It's not about weight loss. It's not about uh, getting the chips out of the house, although that's good. It's, it's about a spiritual deep dive. And we're going to be praying about some specific things, and God is going to honor our devotion, I'm sure. And um, so if you're thinking about being a part of this, then use this week to get ready and get all the junk, uh, junk food out of your house and all the stuff that you can't eat. Get it out. Give it away. Uh, like, like, get yourself off of that this week so that next Monday is not such a shock to your system. And, uh, and don't gorge this week. Whatever you do, don't, don't, don't like go nuts this week because the Daniel fast is coming. That won't be helpful because you, you, won't, you won't survive if you do and uh, so, looking forward to that. All right. You're scared to death, I can tell. <laughs> Did I mention it's optional? You don't have to do it. But I'm, I'm, hoping, I'm hoping that, uh, that at least a couple hundred of you will, uh, will, will join this. And you'll be able to indicate that to us next week. You'll be able to tell us that you're going to do it. Okay. So, we're picking up the story uh, in Daniel chapter 5. Many years have passed when we, when we get back to uh, Daniel and Daniel chapter 5. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar is long gone, and his grandson, Belshazzar, is serving as king, and Babylon is literally on the verge of collapse. Now, up until around the middle of the 19th century, historians didn't know what to do with this, this, this Belshazzar guy that Daniel was, was talking about. Um, historical accounts of Babylon indicated that there was another person who was, who was king of Babylon at that time, a guy by the name of Nabonidus. And, um, and so, you know, people weren't really sure, what do we do with this Belshazzar that Daniel's talking about when, when, when it, we know that Nabonidus was the last ruler of Babylon? So here's, here's the deal on this, because since the mid-19th century, there have been several archaeological discoveries that have provided abundant evidence on this and really shed light on this, that Daniel actually knew what he was talking about. So this guy, Nabonidus, is the son of Nebuchadnezzar. Okay, if you're following this, Nebuchadnezzar, Nabonidus, and then Belshazzar is, would be Nebuchadnezzar's grandson. Okay, he's Nabonidus's son. Okay, that's, that's the lineage. Now when Daniel, is in your particular version of scripture that you're reading, it might refer to Belshazzar as the son of Nebuchadnezzar, but he's not the direct son. When, they, when, they, when, when Daniel speaks that way, he's using son as in the lineage of, like Jesus is sometimes referred to as son of David, but he's not David's son. Do you get that? So, or like saying, we're, we're, we're sons of father Abraham, but you know, most of us in here, your father was not Abraham. Okay, so that explains, that explains that. Belshazzar's father, Nabonidus, who was the direct uh, heir in line, actually spent most of his, most of his life, or his, his reigning, ruling life, 
in Arabia, and he left Belshazzar to rule over Babylon. So that's, that's where we are. There's your little history lesson, and we're going to pick it up in Daniel chapter 5, verse 1. Many years later, King Belshazzar gave a great feast for a thousand of his nobles, and he drank wine with them. While Belshazzar was drinking the wine, he gave orders to bring in the gold and silver cups that his predecessor, Nebuchadnezzar, had taken from the temple in Jerusalem. He wanted to drink from them with his nobles, his wives, and his concubines. So they brought these gold cups taken from the temple, the house of God in Jerusalem, and the king and his nobles, his wives, and his concubines drank from them. And while they drank from them, they praised their idols made of gold, silver, bronze, iron, wood, and stone. All right, we'll park it there for for a minute. It was not uncommon for regents of this era and this part of the world to throw parties that would last for several weeks, to even throw parties that would last for months. And the party just went on and on and on and on. And so Daniel, in in chapter 5, he's giving us this, this insider's look, this vivid imagery of Babylon's depravity, of just how messed up these people were. This is what Daniel's writing here. This is not a lesson in moderation. This is a race to inebriation, right? I mean, this is a drunk. This is an all-out drunk. This is wives and and all the concubines and all the liquor mixed into this, this cauldron of debauchery that David wants us to see. And so Belshazzar is throwing his party. While he's throwing this party, the Persian army literally is right outside the walls of the city gate of Babylon, waiting for their opportunity to seize the city and put an end to the Babylonian empire. So there's a party on the inside and a raging war on the outside. And like so often in our worlds, the party is just a cover. The party is a, it's a smokescreen. The party is, is denial to what's really going on in their world because there are real, serious, life-threatening issues that, that need to be dealt with, but those things are being masked by a, by a charade that attempts to say, nothing wrong in my world. I'm doing fine. How you doing? I'm great. You know, let's party. When really, in reality, everything around them was falling apart. So the party is a false image of success and security. It's a thinly veiled disguise. And Daniel shows us their, their drunkenness and their wild living, not as, a, not as a template like this is how you should deal with pressure and fear and anxiety. Daniel wants us to see this as a, as a warning sign of, of like this is, this is what goes wrong. This is what our lives look like when we turn our backs on God. Their lives are in ruins. And no amount, no amount of drunken sex can cover for what is really going on in their world. And so in his stupor, Belshazzar calls for the sacred vessels taken from God's temple in Jerusalem to be brought into the party. In other words, he's going to take it up another notch. This party's going to get really crazy. And clearly, he wants to desecrate and defile anything associated with Daniel's God in, in an attempt to, to elevate, you know, how great Belshazzar is and how he does not need any, anybody's help. He does not need uh, Daniel's God. This would be a good time for us to be reminded of, 
uh, this scripture verse from Galatians chapter 6, verses 7 and 8, that say this, don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. Back to verse 4 of that text that we read. Uh, While they drank from them, they praised their idols made of gold, silver, bronze, iron, wood, and stone. Daniel says that while they drank from the cups of God's temple, while they were were defiling uh, these pieces that came straight out of the temple in Jerusalem, They're praising, at the same time, they're praising their idols made of of gold and silver and bronze and iron and wood and stone. The Babylonians worshipped and overvalued their material world. Now, here's the, the caution to us this morning. We can't be so enamored with the stuff of earth that we lose sight of the God of heaven. You can't mix earthly spirits with the Spirit of God. And Daniel is, is pointing out, he, he wants us to see the, the absurdity of their, of their value system. This is it's so shallow. This is all the substance that they, that they had. So shallow to put your, your hope and, and your life into stuff like gold and, and silver. And, and for us this morning, it would, it would be chasing dreams of, of money and position and success and, and houses and vehicles and, and stuff and more stuff and more junk and stuff and stuff. It's stuff that just is not going to matter. On earth, on earth, we work and we work for more and more gold. And in heaven, you're going to walk on gold. Think about it. I mean, why? You know, it's like, I got to get more and I got to get more. In, in heaven, God's going to pave the streets with that stuff. With the weight of, a, of an enemy army pressing in on his world, Belshazzar turns to earthly solutions and false gods. You can't drink your way out of your problems. You just, you just can't do it. No one has a, a success story of how their life got, got exponentially better as their alcohol consumption got higher and higher and higher and higher. Like, there are, there are no stories like that. And Belshazzar, he must have known, growing up in the, in the shadow of his father and his grandfather, Nebuchadnezzar, he must have known the stories of, of, of his grandfather, and he must have known how God intervened and how God used this, this Hebrew boy named Daniel to speak wisdom into Nebuchadnezzar's Life. He must have heard the miraculous stories that, that could only be explained by acknowledging Daniel's God as the one true God. And we, friends, we are constantly faced with, with, with pressure that is, is just outside our walls. And sometimes it can feel like the, the enemy is getting closer and closer. And, and, and everything is weighing in and pressing in on you. And life gets hard. And temptation gets hot. And you've got to decide in those moments, am I going to choose Jesus? Am I going to choose the God of Daniel? Or am I going to choose Babylon? Choosing between the small, 
G, gods of this earth and Jehovah? Will I raise my own cup in defiance or will I share in the cup of Jesus' suffering? What will I do? Let's go back to the story, pick it up again in verse 5. Suddenly, the party gets interrupted and they saw the fingers of a human hand writing on the plaster wall of the king's palace near the lampstand. The king himself saw the hand as it wrote, and his face turned pale with fright, and his knees knocked together in fear, and his legs gave way beneath him. And the king shouted for the enchanters, astrologers, fortune tellers to be brought before him. And he said to these wise men of Babylon, whoever can read this writing and tell me what it means will be dressed in purple robes of royal honor, will have a gold chain placed around his neck. He will become the third highest ruler in the kingdom. But when all the king's wise men had come in, none of them could read the writing or tell him what it meant. And so the king grew even more alarmed and his face turned pale. And his nobles, too, were shaken. You know that moment when you come to your senses? You know that moment when you go from senseless to senses and you realize that, 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 that you've, you've done something that you should not have done? And, and you think to yourself, what was I thinking? What was I smoking? Like, how could I have let that that happened. And this is, this is what happens to, to Belshazzar. In verse 6, Daniel says that, it, that is, his legs gave way, and the literal translation is way better than that. Here's the literal, literal translation of that text. The joints of his loin were loosened. That's pretty descriptive. That's clear. The joints of his loin were loosened. Like He's coming apart at the seams. And the moment, friends, the moment when you need a foundation under you, it's too late in that moment to decide what that foundation should be. It's too late then. The reason that you build a solid foundation is so that when you need that solid foundation, it's there. See, if you don't stand for God, you're not going to be able to stand before God. Okay? And Belshazzar, he's... Belshazzar is doing, he's doing this because he has no foundation underneath him. No foundation. When the presence of God showed up, everyone in the room sobered up because judgment is a sobering thought. And sooner or later, we'll stand before God. And if your life is not built on the solid rock of Jesus Christ, when you stand before God, your joints, the joints of, of your loin will be loosened. You'll be coming apart. At the seams. See, when, when, when storms blow into our lives, when, when, when the weight of this world is, is pressing in on us, and the pressures of life are looking for a way to, to overthrow us and destroy us, if you're not standing on the solid rock of Jesus, you'll come apart at the seams. Verse 7, we see that the king shouts for his enchanters, astrologers, fortune tellers to be brought before him. So he, he's... He's sober, but he's, he's not smart. And he goes back to the same old stuff that got him in this predicament in the first place. And he calls for the magicians and the astrologers and the fortune tellers. You see, the stuff that got you into your mess will not get you out of your mess. It, it won't happen. 
You can't make things better by making more bad decisions. And, and so what do we do when, when, we really, when we really find ourselves in a hard spot? I mean, sometimes we call our friends, and there's nothing wrong with friends. We all, we all need good friends, and, but friends, friends can't fix everything in our lives. Or we check with Oprah. Oprah's good. Nothing wrong with Oprah. She's good. She's not your spiritual guide, okay? Or, or doctor, what would Dr. Phil do in a situation like this? He'd write a book and charge you $30 for it, okay? That's what he would do. So the answers... Where are the answers? The answers, they're not in Hollywood stars. They're not in reading the stars. You need Jesus. The answers are in the one who hung the stars. That's where the answer is. Alcohol isn't the answer. Sex parties, gorging on the excess of life is not the answer. And his knees are knocking because God is knocking. And in that moment, he does not have a foundation to stand on. So you've got to decide what your foundation is going to be. Build that foundation so that when, when you need it, it's there. You've already built it on Jesus Christ. So Belshazzar is, is far from God. He has flipped off everything he knew to be true about God. We would say that he is spiritually lost. And God does something remarkable to get his attention. God gives him a wake-up call. Do you need a wake-up call this morning? Look, is there anybody sleeping beside you? You can give them a little, a little wake-up call. Everybody awake? God gives him a wake-up call, and he sees the hand of God. Now, it, 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 Daniel says it's a human hand, but it's just a hand. It might not be the actual hand of God, but it's a hand that God sent. Now, we are praying especially in this season, moving, moving towards Easter, but all the time, we are praying as a congregation that God would give thousands of people in our communities and in our lives a holy wake-up call. We're praying for that. that. That he would write it on the wall, make it plain, that, that they would see the hand of God. I mean, some of you are, are praying some of you are praying a prayer like this, Lord, do whatever it takes to get the attention of my unsaved child. That's quite a prayer. That is quite a prayer. We want spiritually lost people to have a God encounter, that, that, that something that helps them to see God clearer than ever before, something that, that brings them back to the things that they know to be true about God, things that, things that remind them that there are parents and there are grandparents and there are people who love them, who are, who are praying for them. We're praying that, that God would, would do something miraculous, something remarkable in their lives that would help them to, to get over or get around or get through whatever it is that is blocking them, that is keeping them from knowing the truth of Jesus Christ. And the enemy is just outside their walls, wanting to take their lives. And we need Daniels in the city who will stand up and roar for Jesus. People who will stand up for the truth and keep calling on God to reach those people, to rescue and redeem those who are far from God. This is one of the focuses of our 21-day Daniel fast where I'm not going to drink coffee and I'm going to drink this stuff. 
you'll be praying for me, I know. Um, one of the focuses of our, of our Daniel fast is going to be, we are going to cry out to God for the salvation of others. Our Easter series is called The Invitation. And we're going to pray like never before that God would open people's hearts to hearing the message of Jesus this Easter. This is part of, it's also part of my vision that I have for uh, this, this new, uh, a night of, of monthly night of worship and prayer and teaching that I have that, that's coming. You, you hear me keep talking about it. It is coming. And I have this image of revival and an image of, of tide. Um, you know, we're on the Fundy Coast here. The Bay of Fundy has the highest tides in the world. And those two words, revival and tide, I cannot get away from them. I, I have this, 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 this picture, this image of the Holy Spirit rushing into Atlantic Canada like an unstoppable flood tide. Um, so coming soon to a Moncton Wesleyan near you, uh, one night a month, we're going to gather for worship and prayer and Bible teaching, and there will be specific opportunities that night to pray about things like the salvation of others. Uh, we're going to pray specifically about uh, fear and anxiety and issues of, of mental health. That's going to be on the, our radar all the time. Uh, we're going to pray about finances. Uh, we're going to pray about health. Uh, we're going to be praying for relationships. And we want to be a weird church, right? We, be, we don't want to be normal. Uh, we want to see God do some, some remarkable things in our church. So, looking forward to that. The astrologers have no answers. They have, they, they're just like, you know, sorry, Belshazzar. <laughs> Can't help you with that one, bro. You're stuck. Um, all the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't put Belshazzar back together again. And in verse 9... Daniel tells us that his anxiety increases and his face goes pale. And then I love what happens next. His mother walks in the room. <laughs> Mom comes in the room and she's like, get your act together. Come on, what is wrong? You know, Mom comes in the room. Come on, come on, come on, come on. She's had enough. And she reminds Belshazzar, she reminds him that his grandfather, Nebuchadnezzar, had, had tried the same remedies. When he faced all sorts of impossible situations, he did the same thing. He called in the astrologers and the fortune tellers and all of these guys, and they couldn't help him either. They were, they were limited in what they could do. But there was one person, she said to, to Belshazzar, there was this one guy who was totally different than all the rest. He had holy wisdom. He was filled, she says, with divine knowledge and understanding. She says to Belshazzar, you Young man, you need to call for Daniel, and he will be able to help you. And so Daniel is brought in, and Belshazzar goes through the whole, you know, the same song and dance again, and, and he tells Daniel, I'll give you all this gold and stuff like that. And he, he prays the fire alarm prayer, you know, that, that one prayer that people pray when they're, they, you know, they're like, oh, God, oh, like, oh, God, if you get me out of this one, I'll go to church every week, I'll give half my income, I'll, uh, I'll adopt children, you know, like, you know, those, those, those fire alarm prayers, and he, and he gives Daniel one of those, if you can just get me out of this mess, I will do anything, and Daniel says, keep your stuff, I don't, I don't want your gold, 
I don't want your titles. I don't want your robes. Keep, keep your stuff. Uh, here, I'm going to tell you what it means. Now, Daniel is almost 80 years old at this point. Okay? He's retired. And he's got no interest in the king's bling. It means nothing, nothing to him. It's rubbish to Daniel. All right, here we go. We're going to pick it up again. This time in verse 17, Daniel answered the king, Keep your gifts. Give them to somebody else. I don't want them. But I'll tell you what the writing means, your majesty, the most high God. The most high God gave sovereignty, majesty, glory, and honor to your predecessor, Nebuchadnezzar. He made him so great that people of all races and nations and languages trembled before him in fear. He killed those he wanted to kill, spared those he wanted to spare, honored those he wanted to honor, disgraced those he wanted to disgrace. When his heart and mind were puffed up with arrogance, he was brought down from his royal throne and stripped of his glory. He was driven from human society. He was given the mind of a wild animal. He lived among the wild donkeys, ate grass like a cow, was drenched with the dew of heaven until he learned that the most high God rules. God rules over the kingdoms of the world, and he appoints anyone he desires to rule over them. And he says, well, you, you're just his successor, Belshazzar, and you knew all this. You knew all this, yet you have not humbled yourself, for you have proudly defiled the Lord of heaven and have had these cups from the temple brought before you. You, your nobles, your wives, and concubines, been drinking wine from them while praising gods of silver, gold, bronze, iron, wood, and stone, gods that neither see nor hear nor know anything at all. But you have not honored the God who gives you the breath of life and controls your destiny. So God has sent this hand to write this message. And this is the message that was written. Meeny, meeny, tekel, and parson. This is what these words mean. Meeny means numbered. God has numbered the days of your reign and has brought it to an end. Belshazzar uh, would not make it through the night. Tekel means weighed. You've been weighed on the balances and you've not measured up. Parson means divided. Your kingdom has been divided and given to the Medes and Persians. And then at Belshazzar's command, Daniel was dressed in purple robes, gold chain was hung around his neck, didn't matter now. He was proclaimed the third highest ruler in the kingdom, didn't matter, it was all going down. That very night, Belshazzar, the Babylonian king, was killed. Darius the Mede took over the kingdom at the age of 62. Like he had done so many times before with Nebuchadnezzar, Daniel points this spiritually lost king to the most God. And he tells Belshazzar that your grandfather Nebuchadnezzar, he learned his lessons the hard way. He learned his lessons of, of humility. And in the end, in the end, he knew that it's, it's not man who rules over the kingdoms of the world. There's no hope in the gods of gold and silver and bronze and iron and wood and stone. There is only hope in, in, in one hope, and it's only in one God, and it's in him that we find our peace and our purpose and our reason for living. It's only in, Belshazzar, it's only in the one and only most high God. And then he gives them the meaning of the words. We'll put the words back up here on, on the screen for us. Numbered, numbered, weighed, and divided. He tells them, numbered, numbered, weighed, and divided. And on October 12th, 539 B.C., the Babylonian Empire fell into history, never to rise again. God made it clear to Daniel. Daniel made it clear to Belshazzar. Let me make it clear for us this morning. God has numbered 
all of our days. And we will have to give account of our lives sometime, someday. We'll all have to do this. And if we live divided in this life, we won't be united with Christ in the next. Let me make it clear again. God has numbered our days. And one day we'll all have to give account of our lives. And if we live divided in this life, we'll not be united with Christ in eternity. It's sobering. It's sobering when you think about it. Don't wait until it's too late. Build your foundation now. Build your life now on the solid rock of Jesus Christ so that when God comes knocking, your knees and your foundation won't be knocking. Today is an opportunity that we all have. We all have this opportunity this morning to choose Jesus. Whether, whether this is the first time that you've, you've ever had this opportunity, uh, maybe this is your very first time here this morning, and, and, and you've never, you've just never either had that opportunity or, or, or just never uh, had God's presence speak to you the way he's speaking to you today, where you feel like, wow, I, I need to respond to this. I need to, I need to be, get my life on the foundation of, of Jesus. Uh, what we're going to do is I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray for all of us. And then I'm going to give an invitation. Uh, we do this almost every week here at Moncton Wesleyan. There could be some, like I said, who this is maybe your first time here, and this is your opportunity to, to accept Jesus Christ and build your life on him. Uh, maybe you've been here for many, many weeks, and you've been getting closer and closer, kind of like at the edge of a pool, and you're like, uh, maybe next week. And then next week comes and you're like, ah, oh. but, but maybe you've been here, for, maybe, maybe you've been here for years. And you think, well, everybody in the room probably already thinks that I've done this, but, but you know in your heart that you've never crossed that line of faith of, of accepting Jesus as the Son of God and inviting him to be Lord of your life and then following him, like we sang earlier, I've decided to follow Jesus and, and, and trusting him with your life and living for him. So I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to give us that invitation. And then the second invitation that I'm going to give is for anyone who's here this morning who you've, you are a, a, a Christ follower, but you're, you're, you're just, your life, for whatever reason, has not been as, as focused on Jesus and as centered on Jesus and as grounded on Jesus. And, and maybe there's, maybe there's some, some coming back, some realigning that you, that you want to do this morning and, uh, and just get back to the cross uh, of Christ this morning. And I'm going to give you that invitation as well. Let's pray together. Lord, you know, God, this morning how much I love this congregation and I love being their pastor, and I just, and I just want uh, your best 
in their lives. And I just want each one of us to be fully surrendered to you today. And I want you to be first in our lives and Lord of our lives. Uh, and so, God, I just, I just pray right now that your Holy Spirit would, would help each person in this room to get over, around, through whatever barriers there may have been to, to keeping them from making this decision for you, that today would be a day of salvation, a day when people can, can leave here knowing that their life, their foundation is on the solid rock of Jesus Christ. And so, God, I pray that you would just give us a great, a great freedom in this room this morning. And then for those, Lord, who, who they're your children, they're your followers, um, but, but, but maybe there's some this morning who just need, uh, uh, just need to come back. There might be some things they need to, to uh, repent of or confess or uh, come clean about and just people who just want to realign with you and, and you being first in their lives. God, I pray that you would give them the courage to do that as well. So I just thank you, God, for your word. I thank you for how uh, a story that's, that is almost 2,600 years old can speak to us with such relevance today for our lives. I thank you for that today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We, we are, um, we're a little bold around here at Moncton Wesleyan, and, and this is, if you're wondering where this comes from, it was uh, one particular Sunday where I was giving an invitation to accept Jesus, and I just felt the Holy Spirit tell me that, that I wasn't being bold enough. It's like, what, what are you afraid of? Like, if people are going to follow me, call them to follow me. There's nothing to be shy about in following Jesus. There's nothing to be, you know, um, we, don't, we don't need to make our, our decisions to follow Christ um, in secret. And we need to celebrate and we need to encourage one another in that. And so that's, that's kind of where that came from. And then God just, just keeps telling me, if, if you do this, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll honor it. I'll be faithful. I will, uh, I'll be with you in that. And so that's, that's, where, that's where it comes from. So I'm just, it's, it's not Tim Guptill's bravery. It's just, it's, just, it's, just, it's just doing what the Holy Spirit tells me to do. It's all, all it is. If it was in my own bravery, I'd, my knees would be knocking and I'd be. So this morning, if, uh, if that's where you're at and you do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you've never made that decision, but you want your life to be, to be on, centered on him because you know your days are numbered. They are for all of us. And, and in the end, when you stand before God, you want to know Jesus. This is your opportunity this morning right now. So we're a little bit bold in what we do often, not always, but what we do often is we invite people to stand when they're making that decision and we want to applaud and encourage them and uh, see a face so then we can be praying for that person. And an usher will just give you a little bit of information to help you get started. But if that's your decision this morning, I invite you to stand to your feet right now. And uh, heaven will party and uh, we'll applaud for you if that's your decision this morning. Is there anyone here today who wants to stand and say, Pastor Tim, Today is my day. I'm choosing Jesus. I want to start a relationship with him right now. Just go ahead and stand to your feet.
it's okay. It's okay. This doesn't, it's in God's hands. I just want to make sure. We're all right? Okay, the, the next one. For those of us who this morning say, Pastor Tim, I just, I just want to realign and center my life on Jesus Christ this morning. Uh, would you stand to your feet? And, uh, amen, that's good. So go ahead, and I'm sure there's, there's probably dozens of us around here. Yeah, that's so cool. People in the, in the balcony and in the back part of the balcony. That's awesome up there. That's good. That's good. Let's all stand together and worship together. I'll be back up in a minute here to uh, close the service.